Welcome to A Priest and a Rabbi. It is wonderful to have you join us here this morning. Uh, we have with us a very special guest, our director of our Early Childhood Learning Center, Tammy Kaiser, who has joined us this morning. Thank you. And we are discussing today the role and the impact of education as it pertains to uh, religious institutions. One of my favorite topics. So we are we are we are here this morning to uh, engage in the conversation, learn about uh, different uh, methods and different ways of uh, access to uh, educational information, uh, where at the same time also the ability to uh, learn from our students. Absolutely. So, uh, Tammy, I know it is it is it is great to have you here and um, um, really to explore and uh, tackle the 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 issue. Thank you for having me. So, Tammy, if there was just uh, one thing before we start with the with the podcast, in terms of if there was one thing that you would like to impress upon, upon both our students and our parents, what would it be? We are in the business of raising good people, good humans. Reading, writing, arithmetic doesn't matter if we're not raising good people. So I, lo I, love, I, love, I love what you said, because I think it is about um, our values, our ethics, our morals. Um, you know, there, there, there's a famous, and I know you're familiar with it, uh, the very famous line uh, or phrase that was written by, um, I believe it was Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, that says, when I was young, I admired clever people. Now that I'm old, I admire kind people. Yeah. And I think that there's something really powerful about that statement, that as we grow and we mature and we go through life, it is always with that understanding that uh, the one thing that we should embody and should give back to the world is a sense of morality and a sense of um, sheer kindness. Yes, that's how we affect change. So, I, And I love the understanding that, look, you know, we're here to to educate, we're here to inspire uh, a very young minds, but at the same time, we're not here to, the main goal of what we aim to achieve is that our kids live good, moral, ethical lives all the days of their life. So uh, I'll speak on a personal level, Tammy, I, I, I thank you for joining us, uh, but more importantly, I thank you for the gift that you have given um, all of my children, uh, for all three of my kids, uh, the gift of um, community at our ECLC. Well, thank you for sharing your children with us. Absolutely. So I hope you will enjoy uh, this session on a priest, a rabbi, a preschool director, and how education and religion can be embraced on all sides. <laughs> The opinions expressed on this program are those of the program hosts and their guests and are not necessarily those of WSTU, St. Mary's Episcopal Church, and Temple Beit Chaim. Products that may be mentioned are not necessarily intended as an endorsement. Any reproduction or retransmission of this broadcast is strictly prohibited. And now WSTU presents a priest and a rabbi. Call in with questions and comments at 220-9788. 220 WSTU. Now, here's your host. Good morning, Stuart, Florida. This is Rabbi Durbin here with our very special guest. We are today, unfortunately, not a priest and a rabbi, but a rabbi and a preschool director. I would say fortunately. Fortunately, absolutely. For um, 
Reverend Anderson is on assignment. He's on assignment, digging out information for us for a next radio program, but he is out of town. So we do wish uh, Father Anderson, if he is listening, a wonderful, wonderful, um, um, excellent day. Um, we are here in our studios at WSTU in downtown Stewart. On a rainy, rainy Friday. On a rainy Friday. Those, those days where we pray for rain, and we certainly have it. It's been one of those... You know, I was uh, I was talking to my wife the other night who had mentioned to me that um, she wanted the heat turned on. And oh. I said, you know, the house is 68 degrees. I, I, I like it. I like it to be cold. Um, and for that brief moment, I thought to myself, maybe I do turn down the heat, turn on the heat. And um, and then I didn't because I didn't No, I thought to myself for for the two days a year three days a year where it drops in temperature is just, just not worth it. No, worth I, I it. haven't turned mine on yet. I'm scared to, I'm scared of what it's going to smell like because mm -hmm. you know, when you haven't used it in a while, mm -hmm. it, it, it sort of smells like burnt toast and, yep. and you know, yeah, no. it's uh, it, it's one of those things. <laughs> I'm not that, breaking down. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it was funny. I said to my wife, she said, you know, just please just, just for five minutes. And I said, you know, maybe I'll turn it on just to see what my bill will be next month. <laughs> when it jumps four times the price because I turned on the heat for five minutes. Yeah, just extra blankets. Extra blankets, absolutely. So to all of our listeners out there in uh, in Stewart land and throughout the country and throughout the world, uh, we are here today to discuss and talk about um, religion as it pertains to uh, education. And it is my esteemed pleasure and um, fortunate opportunity to have with us Tammy Kaiser, our Early Childhood Learning Center Director at uh, Temple Beit Hayam, uh, to join us here this morning. So, Tammy, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Wonderful. So, Tammy, if you um, if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving us a little bit of background as to, you know, where you grew up, how you grew up, and, and, and why, why the educational field? Sure. So I grew up right down the street in Jupiter, Florida. Mm. Went to Jupiter Elementary, Jupiter Middle, Jupiter High. Mm. I went to the University of South Florida, eventually found myself in Seattle, where I went to law school, believe it or not, for wow. like a whole year. Wow. Yeah, I know law stuff. Wow. At least a year's worth of law stuff. Oh, um, and I fell in love with education when I had my first child mm. and I enrolled her in preschool. Oh. And I enrolled her in preschool, and I thought, wow, this looks like a really, really fun job. What I didn't realize at the time was how much work goes mm. into being a preschool teacher. Um, I ended up getting my, my bachelor's degree in medical science, actually, and then my master's in education. Mm. And um, my doctoral studies are in educational neuroscience. Oh, wow. And I came back here because I was offered this position at an amazing little school in Stewart, Florida. And I was happy to come back to my home state. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Wonderful. So for those that don't know, I'll give you a little bit of uh, uh, insider information. So Tammy and I uh, started at Temple Beit Hayam, I believe, the same day. The same day. Yes. We were both newbies on newbies. the same day. And it's been, it's been, it's been, uh, to quote uh, Jerry Garcia, it has been a long, strange trip. It has been uh, for us to be, now we are celebrating our uh, sixth year at the, at the temple. Has it been that long? Mm -hmm. Wow. Which is, uh, and you know, the amazing thing, especially, uh, you know, being a rabbi and being able to work with you on, on, on a very close level is the interaction that both, you know, 
for lack of a better term, the right side of the building and the left side of the building converge right in that uh, medium uh, space that we have at the temple. But wow. it is that's like a brain metaphor. It is. It is. But it has been, um, you know, it's been, it's, it, you know, from a, from a rabbi perspective and certainly, you know, a member of the congregation, it's been just an amazing thing to be able to see you know, those kids grow through uh, such an amazing program. Yeah. Um, you know, I was very fortunate. I, I, as many do know, I have, I have three, um, I have three amazing children. Um, and I know that every parent says the same thing that, oh, my kids are amazing. My kids are brilliant. Um, you know, and it's one of those things that uh, uh, we have been very fortunate with our ECLC and certainly under your tutelage of uh, being able to just have such joy you know, I have an eight-year-old, almost nine-year-old, uh, a six-year-old who will almost be seven, and a uh, three-year-old. Good. Oh, you got keep, that. You I got to keep remembering. <laughs> you know, my, my, my wife found it very funny the other day. I had a, a call from somebody who wanted to set up a meeting, and they said, well, you know, Rabbi, can I come see you on uh, February 3rd, uh, which is a Monday? And I said, you know, you know, I thought to myself, okay, I don't work Mondays, which is, which is fine. And, um, but I thought to myself, you know, for, for a half hour meeting, it's not, not a big deal. You know, uh, I'm already in, why not? And, and, and I kept thinking to myself, why does that date sound familiar? Oh boy. So I had to go backwards and forwards and finally it dawned on me. I'm like, oh, it's my daughter's birthday. Yeah. So, uh, so I have a four-year-old, uh, almost four-year-old and, um, being able to watch, you know, my, 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 my oldest came into the ECLC when she was when she was three, three and a half, um, and she graduated the program, we had an amazing uh, uh, graduation cake, uh, and just being able to see how she grew through our ECLC, and then watching my six-year-old grow through it, and see the dedication and just the, the joy that she has. Um, and especially now with my three-year-old, watching her develop through the program of being able to talk about what she's doing and the impact it has on her uh, on a very, you know, rudimentary or very elementary level. But it's just one of those things, you know, she'll come back, she'll tell me, oh, dad, I, I made this, her big thing yesterday was, I made this candle. You got to smell this candle. So I, I, I go, I smell it. Wow, this, this smells great. You know, my uh, Delilah, this is awesome. Where'd you get it? Oh, I got it from school. Oh, okay. What do you do with it? And she gives me this queried look. She goes, what do you think I do? I light it. I smell it. It's about warmth and about light. And I just thought, you know, it's, it's so amazing, especially as a rabbi, being able to, you know, walk through the classroom, see what they're doing and see the full and complete engagement that our kids are in, uh, right. which is amazing. Right, right. And, you know, and something when you when you talk about how she was able to not tell you what the object was, but how she uses the object. Mm -hmm. uh, that's so, so, so important because in school, they often think about ABCs and one, two, threes, and you're going to learn the shapes mm -hmm. and the colors, but we can go so much deeper than that, mm -hmm. right? It's not, what color is that? Mm -hmm. And then stop. Oh, that's red. You don't stop there. Mm -hmm. Then it's what else is red? Do you have any red things? What in, in the world is red? And you keep engaging and you get them to think critically mm. about their environment. So, you know, in your experience, Tammy, have you found, you know, especially the challenge of with the terminology itself, preschool, right? As opposed to a daycare, we're not a babysitting service. As opposed to we are, and 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 for those of our listeners that are not familiar and don't know the pedagogy or the methodology, is is the understanding that, you know, as 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 educators and as caregivers, I think the biggest 
challenge that we face is the understanding that the first seven years of a child's life are the most formative years that they will develop throughout the course of their life, you know, um, and, and being able to say, you know, we're not here just to make sure you're obviously to make sure your child is safe and to make sure that there's a warm and nurturing environment. But we also want to teach your kids something. Right. Um, you know, so from, from a preschool perspective, how do you as a director define what your methodology or the, the skills and the tools that you want your teachers to then inspire and impress upon your students? What methods do have you used and maybe perhaps gone back on upon reflection and said, you know what, maybe that didn't work. Nice. Um, you know, my, my big perspective and my big, uh, my big jam, so to speak, is always uh, nothing irritates me more than when somebody says, but, you know, Rabbi, we tried that five years ago. Absolutely. It didn't work. Yep. And a part of me says, but that's five years ago. And you know what, even if it didn't work a year ago. How can we improve? I don't like the negativity of it didn't work. No, it worked. It's just how do we improve on a situation that would be more impactful uh, in today's culture? So have you found that with, you know, when, when you first started out, were there methods that we were using that you still currently use today? Or has it been revamped or um, um, uh, underutilized? Well, I think you said use two words that I appreciate so much. You use the word educator and the word caretaker because preschool teachers are both right we take care of these children they are our number one priority throughout the day but like you said we educate them we teach them uh, we're not babysitters mm -hmm. right preschool teachers are not babysitters every single preschool teacher must have a certification in order to teach in a preschool by mm -hmm. the department of the Ch of children and families here in florida um that's similar in every state mm -hmm. and so these teachers they have to go to school to do this profession they have skills. They are educators. Mm -hmm. um, is it transferable? I mean, if I'm if I'm certified in Florida and I decided to move to I don't in New York, I would assume that there would be New York standards. There are, okay. there are, there are. Yeah, there are standards for for different states. Mm -hmm. For example, when I came to Florida, I had to redo mm. my certifications in the state of Florida, even though I had had them in in two other states previously. Um, so. As, as far as things that I have learned being a, a preschool director, when I first came into the preschool, and, and this is just preschools in general to the educational world of, of early childhood education, things were very center-based. Mm -hmm. um, there was a library center, an art center, a, a home living center or mm -hmm. like kitchen area. There were little tiny pockets in a classroom where a child was supposed to go and engage in the activity that that particular center represented, mm -hmm. right? So you would go to the library area to read a book. Mm -hmm. So and and that's and that's how our classrooms were set up and a lot of preschools use this use this idea of a center-based methodology. Well, what I have found through the study of educational neuroscience is just as our brain does not develop like one area at a time, one lobe, one little piece of the brain, it doesn't develop alone and as we grow, they don't work alone. The brain, all the different parts, they work interdependently. Hmm. Right. And so why are we separating our classrooms into these specific areas and telling a child you need to fit into that box mm. in that area? 
didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. So just recently, and thank goodness for um, for the place that I work, the leadership and my staff, we made a huge change in the methodology and how we arrange our classroom environment. And mm -hmm. we did it with one classroom first, where we got rid of centers. Mm -hmm. And we engaged instead in kind of more open areas. We have an area that could represent a kitchen, or it could be a, a restaurant, or it could be the galley of a ship, or mm -hmm. the cabin of a, you know, or I suppose it's galley as well, of mm -hmm. an airplane. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and we have an area on the other side of the classroom that's sort of our outside area, where we have green carpet that can represent grass. We have blue carpet that can represent an ocean. And then we have a hub area where there's lots of different materials that the children can manipulate throughout the classroom. So we have our constants, mm -hmm. like our furniture, and we have our variables, mm -hmm. which are the manipulatives, the items that the children can manipulate. So within that hub, there are books. Mm -hmm. Where can you read a book in my classroom? Mm -hmm. The forest, the beach, mm -hmm. the galley of the airplane, mm -hmm. the restaurant. It doesn't matter. You can read a book anywhere. You do not have to be in a library mm -hmm. or a library area to read a book. So, I mean, it's, it's such an interesting uh, and just a beautiful concept as well is 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 you know is exactly as you said is you know you don't need to read a book in the in the confines of of, of you know a library because i think that 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 sends mixed messages i think to to kids at a young age yep. of being able to say you're only allowed or, or permitted within a certain space uh, and i love the 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 breakout of being able to say it can be done anywhere you know from a jewish yep. perspective you know we're lucky enough um um, like a very small handful of synagogues around the country that we can do beach Shabbat. Yes. Right. Uh, you know, which where we do beach Shabbats, um, uh, you know, typically about six times a year on the beach at Stewart Beach and being able to. And, and the message, really, the underlying message behind it is you don't need the four walls of a sanctuary and a exactly. uh, synagogue in order to pray. You can pray anywhere. You, you pray can read anywhere. a book anywhere. You can pray anywhere. Absolutely. Exactly. And how do you, as 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 a director, how do you measure how do you measure success, um, or or not even success? How do you, what's the measurement in terms of this is working or there seems to be some challenge that's set before in order to make it more impactful? All about observation. Okay. Um, one of the most uh, mo most important tools that an educator can employ is observing children and noticing, mm -hmm. taking notes on a child's behavior, on the child's interactions with peers, interactions with adults. Of course, we, we have the paper assessments. Mm -hmm. We have our check boxes. We have our tests. I mean, that's part of the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. We test children in VPK. So we do work off of off of that um, mm -hmm. data as well. But really it's it's watching the children. It's understanding their interests and seeing how they are employing the critical thinking skills that we are trying to teach them. Mm -hmm. It's very important in all education, but especially in early childhood education, that we remember we're not teaching children what to think mm -hmm. we're teaching them how to think so if we're looking at a child and maybe they're having a conflict with a peer how is that child acting in that moment mm -hmm. because it's our job to teach them the the, the problem solving skills to use pro-social behaviors in mm -hmm. order to solve a problem mm -hmm. but if we're not noticing those kids if we're not observing them in that moment 
then we're losing an opportunity to find out, is this working? Hmm. So how does it work in terms of, you know, behavioral for a child, understanding their age development and where suddenly something becomes more of a concern for you? I mean, let me give an example. So a couple of years ago, when when my oldest was in the preschool, uh, I had I had the opportunity to uh, to pick her up. And before I was picking her up, uh, one of the teachers said, oh, you know, Rabbi, I need you to sign this form. And I said, what's this form? Oh, your daughter bit somebody. Right. She was three. And in my mind, I go, did she really bite somebody or was her mouth open and that person's knee just happened to fall into her teeth? And suddenly just, you know, that's what's happened. Yeah. And a part of me thought to myself and I was embarrassed. You know, and I remember going, oh, I can't believe, you know, why would you do this? You know, how could you do this? Like, you know, this isn't the right behavior. Uh, and I remember talking to you about it and you said, that's what three-year-olds do, right? But but yes. I can see it from that perspective. But then where does that line get drawn before suddenly, okay, this this is a pattern or this is more of a concern that we need to address? How, as a director, you must see this all the time through yes. developments and everything else. Absolutely. Uh, you know, are there are there those, those those lines that are drawn or, you know, from a director, how do you... How do you define for your staff and for yourself suddenly where something becomes more problematic and to nip it in the bud? Yeah, that's a great question. And again, I'm going to go back to observation because one thing that we do with observation is we look for patterns. Mm. So let's say that your daughter bites a child mm -hmm. maybe three times throughout the course of her preschool mm -hmm. life. Three times, different kids, probably not a pattern, mm -hmm. right? That's that's a child being a child. And biting is something that as adults, we often think of as, as animalistic, mm -hmm. as, as such a bad, oh my goodness, my ch child was bit. It's scary. We understand. But keep in mind that that these are little baby humans mm -hmm. that a lot of them don't have a language yet. Mm -hmm. They they are very orally fixated. We come out of the womb, you know, suckling and we have pacifiers and we're so oral. Kids are going to bite. Mm -hmm. Now, if we are noticing a pattern of behavior, mm -hmm. a, a specific child is constantly bitten, then we have to look into why. Mm -hmm. Why is this happening? Is it the biting child? Is it the child that's being bitten? Like mm -hmm. what? What's going on? Um, so that now we have the vernacular of trauma-informed care. Hmm. All right. So we can instead of looking at a child and like, what's wrong with you? It's what happened to you. Mm -hmm. What's going on right now? What's going on in your life? What's what's going on in your brain? Mm -hmm. What's going on in your development? What do we need to address? Mm -hmm. In Martin County, we have amazing, amazing resources. So we will reach out to Tykes and Teens, Helping mm -hmm. People Succeed, Children's Services Council, Early Learning Coalition. We have so many great resources. We also have speech language pathologists, occupational therapists that come in and work with our kiddos. Is that is the, is, is is that standard practice? I mean, if I was at any other any other preschool within within the county or within you know your experience within you know uh, different states that that those preschools would access other resources to be able to facilitate or were well you know whatever the child is doing or whatever you know the challenges that, that persist uh, well we can we can we can we can handle this in-house as opposed to going outside some schools yes it really does depend on the director it takes a lot of work it mm -hmm. takes a lot of relationship building mm -hmm. i will say having worked in jewish schools and secular schools mm -hmm. non-religious schools i see more of a prevalence of having therapists and um, paraprofessionals come into the building in jewish institutions i think one of those reasons is because we 
historically have been forced mm -hmm. to call upon others when we need mm -hmm. when we need something, mm -hmm. right? I mean, and it's like when we look here in Martin County, we are um, we're a small school. Mm -hmm. We are um, we're, we're we're a Jewish school, mm -hmm. and we need to we need to rely on our partners to come in and help us solve problems that maybe at a school of our size we we don't have somebody on staff all the time to mm -hmm. do that. Interesting. So I just want to pick it up on, 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 you know, now the religious aspect in terms of, you know, how we, um, in, in faith-based, uh, organizations have our, you know, collective preschools that, you know, are attached to our communities and how, how through that, 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 uh, I'm, I'm challenged to say the term religious because as a Jewish people, uh, we are religious. I mean, it's one of those questions that gets posed all the time. Yeah. You know, Rabbi, I'm really sorry. I'm not a religious person. And a part of me that responds back by saying um, it's not about religion or being religious is about observancy. Um, because I think the biggest misnomer is, well, I'm not religious. Well, as a Jewish people, we are a religious people. Whether we're observant or not, we are born or choose Judaism in a way that says, I am a religious person uh, and I'm, I'm part of a religious faith, but it, in terms of observancy, but I think, you know, when we bring it to, you know, the preschool aspect is that sure our preschool is connected to the larger entity of the temple. Uh, we are interconnected in a, in a, a variety of different ways. Uh, we have, um, you know, a, a fair segment of our population that, you know, that, that attend the preschool that are Jewish, that are members of the temple that, you know, is almost like that feeder that feeds back into, uh, you know, then later after preschool goes into our religious school program, uh, and then, uh, and so forth. But how does it, how does, how does religion filter into, you know, the methodology or the ways that we try and, um, uh, really harness what we're doing on one end from a, a institution perspective uh, and giving them the understanding uh, of what Jews practice in the general understanding of a preschool environment that allows our kids to explore, to play, uh, and, and, and to still maintain that, um, that sense of identity. So as you know, our school welcomes all faiths and non-faiths. Mm -hmm. So we have a melting pot of families within our walls in the preschool. Mm -hmm. With that said, during the holiday season, there are no Christmas trees in our preschool. Mm -hmm. We're celebrating Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. We're teaching the children about Hanukkah. Okay. Children are going to come in and they're going to be singing jingle bells. Mm -hmm. And what do we do? Mm -hmm. We'll sing jingle bells with them because mm -hmm. guess what? That's how they are experiencing the season. Mm -hmm. When it comes to Who's teaching religion, we are a moral and values-based mm -hmm. institution. Mm -hmm. And that's the wonderful thing about the families who come, the non-Jewish families who come to our school. That's one of the reasons that they're attracted. Hmm. That's, a, that's a reason that so many faiths are attracted to Jewish preschools because many Jewish preschools are values-based. Mm -hmm. And it's so simple. It is, you know, what, what religion does for education, I think, and it's not, you don't need religion to do this, but religion is a tool, mm -hmm. is offers a kind of um, a menu almost of like moral conduct, mm -hmm. right? And like I said, you do not need religion to have this, but it is a tool and it's very accessible. So in my life, it's Judaism. Mm -hmm. So if I'm talking about supporting the Bahamas after a hurricane, mm -hmm. 
I'm talking about maybe gimelut chasadim, acts mm-hmm. of loving kindness. I'm talking about tzedakah, the act of giving, you know, charity. Um, I'm talking about tikkun olam, repairing the earth. So we use these Hebrew, these Jewish values, mm-hmm. and we teach the children through this lens of of pro-social and ethical behavior. Mm-hmm. And I don't know That's any religion cool. that mm-hmm. that that wouldn't apply to. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And, and and have you have you ever had had well, parents question or um, oh, have concern okay. about what their children are experiencing, say in a non-Jewish no. in a non-Jewish household of, you know, I mean, I see with my own kids, even though I mean my own kids are Jewish, but you know, they, they come home and like six days later, they're still singing Shabbat songs that we do uh, every single Friday for Tan Shabbat. You know, th- they bring that home with them with the energy and the excitement. Uh, it's just that, that you know, to, to coin the phrase of Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, who used the term um, uh, radical amazement, you know, and although it was looking at it from a more religious and observancy perspective, but just that that awe, that wonder, that that just inspiration that they bring home, um, you know, do you do you find that with with okay. some of the comments or um, some of the feedback that you receive from from some of your yeah. parents in terms of yeah. what they're learning and you know they're proud even though they may not be Jewish, but proud to be part of a larger entity uh, that they're getting the knowledge uh, of 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 what as Jews we practice. Absolutely, you know, I really don't have criticism. And I think it's because they are a self-selected group of families, right? Mm-hmm. They know that they're enrolling in a Jewish preschool. Yeah. So to say, oh, my child learned about Hanukkah, I really, really was hoping they were going to bring home a Christmas ornament for the tree. Mm-hmm. They already knew what they were getting into, sure. right? Um, but it's funny you bring up Shabbat because on Shabbat, we provide on Fridays, all right, not only do we go and we sing songs with the cantor and you, the rabbi in the sanctuary, we sing these amazing Shabbat songs. We sing sh- songs about lighting candles, about blessings and about dinosaurs, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just runs the gamut. And the children on that same day on Friday, they eat pizza. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I, I am, we are creating generations of young children that think that pizza is a Jewish food. Mm -hmm. But -hmm. but the really cool thing about that is Shabbat is so special. You mentioned joy. Mm -hmm. It is joyous. They have this yummy food. They eat challah, you know, which which is a a braided um, bread Mm -hmm. that is eaten on Shabbat. So they eat this this sweet, yummy challah. They have their their pizza. They sing songs and they they light candles in Shabbat. And are we teaching them um, the Torah at that point in time? Are we sitting them down and saying, in the beginning, God great. No, we're not doing that. But what are we teaching them? We're teaching them Torah. Mm-hmm. How are we teaching them that saved Torah? Mm-hmm. We're teaching them love, kindness, respect, understanding. And one of my goals as a Jewish educator is combating anti-Semitism by raising these little kids that when they go out into the big wide world and someone says, oh, you know, that person's Jewish. Oh, my gosh. And, and pick a stereotype, mm-hmm. right? Fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. And I want these kids that are coming out of my program to be like, wow, that's not my experience mm-hmm. of the Jewish people at mm-hmm. all. They're really fun and kind and they wow, they help. Mm-hmm. You know? It's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. We're 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 just gonna take a quick break and come back on that because I think it's a very important issue, especially in a world that is very challenging and very divisive today. That that really is uh, you know, look, as Jews, we've been scapegoats for thousands of years. But we'll we'll look at that issue when we come back and we uh, we encourage you to give us a call. 
You're listening to a priest and a rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and please leave a rating and a review, five-star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU1450.com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-WSTU. Hey, everyone. This is Father Christian here on A Priest and a Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And I want to let you know that I have started a YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian. And you can check it out on YouTube. And uh, every Monday, I drop a new episode. And it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find our relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. Um, last week was what do women really want um, in a man uh, and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh, please check that out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, uh, put on the notifications so you get that every Monday. Um, I also want to let you know of uh, we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked, though, was that um, the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center. And so you can call if you're looking for a counselor, someone to be there for you during a challenging time, and you can call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers who have been trained over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more of the presence um, of, of Christ or and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh my gosh, my daughter's about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier. So give us a call, 772-287-3244, and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Welcome back, Stuart. We are here, a rabbi and a preschool director. It is. Um, it has been. It is, it's been a fascinating morning. Just really kind of exploring the concept of early childhood learning. Um, what our youngsters are. I hate that term, youngsters. Oh, it sounds like something that my dad would say. You know, it 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 it, it makes me feel like I'm I'm 90 years old. Yeah, um, kind of sound like. Oh, those youngsters! You know what youngins. they're doing the, today. Uh, but I think it's um, you know, it's very interesting when I when I, when when we look at the role of preschools and certainly how it's developed over the last uh, while. You know, when we were, you know, uh, Tammy, you and I are relatively the same age, and but you know, when we were growing up, I think that there were. It was, it was, I, I think it's much easier today than I think it was, you know, 30 some odd 40 years ago, 
because I think that the new modes of education have presented itself in terms of how we access education and how we uh, bring it forward, right? If a child had challenges learning, well, what's the matter with you? You have a, perhaps a learning disability, yeah. maybe that uh, we're, we're, we're slow to learn or whatever. And I think, you know, 30, 40 years ago, there was the stigma of there's something wrong with you. Right. Whereas opposed to today, understanding, well, uh, hang on, maybe that child is a visual learner. Maybe they're an audio learner. Maybe it's it's more of a, a experiential uh, perspective of being able to get our hands dirty first and then learn the the mode behind it uh, to really fill in those gaps. Um, and just so interesting today, especially with a preschool, of how we understand, uh, you know, a child development and how it works itself, especially in um, you know, in a religious institution of how do we bring our values, our ethics, uh, what we what we present ourselves with. Uh, for those that are joining us, um, it is my my great pleasure to have with us as our special guest here, Tammy Kaiser, our uh, Early Childhood Learning Center um, Director at Temple Beit Hayam. And um, you know, really trying to explore uh, some of those, some of those challenges, and some of those, um, uh, some of those perspectives as mm -hmm. we go forward. Uh, just before we took break, you you had mentioned, you know, um, one of the one of the uh, I think most impactful and and really the most one of the most beautiful aspects of a Jewish preschool. Uh, and again, from from a Jewish preschool perspective, we're really talking about our own of uh, right. Temple Beit Hayam, yes. of being able to have, you know, such a wide range of diversity within our preschool, mm -hmm. where at the same time, the, the, the overarching theme itself is this is a Jewish preschool. This isn't a preschool that happens to be at a temple. It's a Jewish preschool. So there's kind of uh, interconnected uh, webs that, that, that form, but also that, you know, for a majority of our students that are in our program, uh, majority of them are not Jewish. Right. And, and you know, looking perhaps behind the, the, you know, behind the veil of, well, why? Why are so many of our non-Jewish families aligning themselves with Temple Beit Hayam uh, and our preschool? Um, you know, is it, uh, as you said, the values based that we are, you know, and for those that are not familiar as a reform movement, we are very committed to the social values, the ethics, the uh, righteous way of living yeah. uh, and being able to kind of put that forward as we as we live our lives. Um, but I want to pick up on a comment that you just said uh, just before break, which I think is actually very significant and very important, especially in today's world that is um, um, disconcerting. Uh, I'll say, um, you know, we've seen tremendous uh, uptick on uh, anti-Semitic comments and um, 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 opportunities where people are uh, harming the Jewish people, um, you know, whether it be in Poway, California, or as we know, Pittsburgh and, you know, New York and Munsey and all these places that that it is uh, on a huge rise. Uh, but a part of me that that takes that step back and says, you know what? I am really proud to be part of a temple. I am really proud that my kids, and this is a personal <clears throat> comment, is that my kids go through a program where they understand about other other peers' backgrounds, yes. what they're about, and that they have the opportunity to understand what I am about and really to try and demystify, debunk, uh, um, uh, change the stereotype, uh, and really get our kids, um, um, with the ability with their families to understand that as Jews, we're, 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 we're not, we're not these, these, this other faith, uh, you know, we're not these, these, these people that, um, 
are other or um, have these misconceptions. Right. Yeah. We're your friends. We're your teachers. We're your directors. We're, we're you can have a rabbi even if you're not Jewish. Right. Mm -hmm. Look at all mm -hmm. of our all of our kids that aren't Jewish that Absolutely. have a rabbi. Absolutely. And that and that know what you stand for mm -hmm. and that the temple is a good place and a fun place and a happy place. And it's a place of education mm -hmm. and it's a place of, you know, a friendship. And that's so, so important. We are our job is not just to educate Jews. Mm hmm. Right. Absolutely. I mean, we're not just educating Jews about Judaism. We're educating the mm -hmm. community. Absolutely. And and also when we have these little kids and they're going home, maybe with the menorah or Hanukkah, you know, during Hanukkah, or they're going home um, during the holiday of Purim with a grogger, a noisemaker to blot out mm -hmm. the name of Haman, the, the evil guy in the story. Their parents are learning. Absolutely. Right. Because their parents like, what's that? Mm -hmm. And so these little ones have the opportunity to teach their parents about something that maybe they didn't even know about. And that's fantastic because then all of a sudden you have these non-Jewish people in our community that have Jewish knowledge. Absolutely. And have a connection. Have a connection. So, so I just want to pick up on, on one thing you said because I think it's I think it's really important. I just want to also go back on, you know, the conversation about, you know, methodology and 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 pedagogy of, of you know, what is the educational model that, you know, the temple employs? Uh, or employers in terms of, you know, I, in some way, you know, some schools use the the Montessori way mm -hmm. or uh, uh, other um, uh, institutions like uh, I, I know that there's one that, you know, you are very familiar with out of, out of northern Italy right. uh, that's been used um, uh, for a long time. Mm -hmm. But I, I also wanted to kind of look at that in terms of, you know, what is the responsibility of parents? Because I think I think in, in a preschool perspective, it's it's we see this with religious school. Right, I pick up my kids. What did you learn at school today? Nothing. And 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 I've tried to change the conversation, not in terms of what did you learn about, but what questions did you ask today? Because I think it, it then opens up the conversation. And I yes. and I think I, and I do this with my three year old. So on the times that I have the ability to pick her up, I'll say, you know, uh, how was school today? Oh, it was great. What did you do? What did you learn about? And if she'll say something instead of. Um, sweeping it under the carpet or or not engaging with it, I, I, I will take her where she's at at that given moment and see where she is and her excitement and really try to continue that conversation so that she's talking for 10, 15, 20 minutes Good. about something that's going on and, and being able to be to be present and to be engaged. Yeah. So, you know, from your perspective as a director, what would be the role of 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 our parents to in some way help us achieve the goal that we're that we're um, um, hoping for mm -hmm. um, and on the flip side being able to say you know if if, if if I'm struggling as a parent what are some tools that I could use in my toolbox to be able to open up that conversation with my one-year-old two-year-old three-year-old or, or five-year-old no that's fantastic the one thing you said that really jumped out at me is be present mm -hmm. right you our children are not the people of tomorrow they are fully formed people right now, right here, today. And so so often I think that parents fall into the trap of what's kindergarten going to look like? What is this going to look like? What do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, constantly thinking about their children in the future and forgetting that they deserve their dignity. They deserve their voice mm. right here, right now. Even a one-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. Even an infant. 
they are fully formed people. Mm -hmm. And it's important that we engage in conversations with these little minds. Mm. Um, one of the one of the the methodologies you you refer to Reggio Emilia, which is mm -hmm. a methodology um, that was born in it was a city actually. It's a city in Italy. Um, and educators and parents realized in post-war Italy, World War II, that children were engaging with materials in their outside world and using these materials in imaginative play to replace the materials that were lost in their schools and classrooms that had been mm. destroyed, you know, bombed um, during mm -hmm. the war. So instead of maybe using play money to pretend store, they would use leaves. And the imaginative, the imaginative play... Uh, deepened and and the teachers were observing and the parents were were noticing mm. how these kids were interacting with their environment um so reggio Emilia is an absolutely wonderful philosophy and again it is a place not a person mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of people think this is a person mm -hmm. that developed this this is a place um and and one thing that we have learned uh, in in more you know in, in modern society the children aren't playing in my classrooms and, with artillery shells and mm -hmm. bombed out you know buildings mm -hmm. but we still use loose parts so that they can manipulate these open ended materials throughout a classroom. So instead of blocks just building towers, a block could represent a book. A block could represent a baby doll. A block could represent a anything. And that's what we want to do. We want to mm. really, really try to, um, to encourage this imagination and this imaginative play. As parents, it's important to ask open-ended questions. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not, what color is that? That's red. Okay, mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. Now, what else? What else is red? What else do you see that's red? You know, ask ask questions that that a child can respond to. Do you like that color? Which which one of those? Tell me tell me about that red stop or that red sign. What do you think it says? Mm -hmm. What do you think it does? It's a stop sign. Why why do you think it's there? Mm -hmm. Get converse with mm -hmm. kids. Um, the methodology that we currently employ in the preschool is called the K-Way. Mm -hmm. It is based on the work and life of Janusz Korszak, who was a Jewish-Polish pediatrician, educator, and scientist. He was murdered during the Holocaust. He ran a uh, an orphanage for children. He ran an orphanage both outside the Warsaw Ghetto and one inside the Warsaw Ghetto. Mm -hmm. And when um, all of the children were taken to um, the Umschlagplatz, the railway station, and taken to to a camp to be murdered, Korshak was given the opportunity to not go with them. Hmm. And he chose to stay with his children. He believed that every single child has rights. Hmm. And uh, as adults, our job is to make sure that we are fulfilling the rights of those children. Hmm. And he's an, if you, if, again, his name is Janusz Korshak. If you have the opportunity to study or look him up, I, I highly recommend it. An amazing individual. Um, and that is what we really, really want to do in our school is to recognize that these kids have rights. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And, 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 you know, from that, from that, from that perspective, how do you train your staff in that, in that K-Way model? Um, is there, is there an advancement of classes that they take? Is it, is it um, ongoing uh, continuing education programs? Is it, is it, it, you know, through your tutelage in terms of information and resources and everything else? How do they, how do they learn from that because, because, and and I think that the big misnomer for a lot of our listeners is is it's not as easy as we think it is in terms of well, this is the model, this is what you do, just go to work. Um, you know that there is there, you know, it, it, it's not an open free for all. This is uh, let's just take it where our kids are and just explore that concept. I I think that there that it's much more in depth. Um, Yes, yes. And um, the really cool thing about this methodology is we created it. Mm. So my faculty mm. 
were co-creators in this. So when you are invested in something, when you're learning about something, when you're using your school as a learning laboratory, Mm -hmm. when you are noticing and when you um, are evaluating what works, what doesn't work, you become much, much more invested Mm -hmm. in a way of teaching. Mm -hmm. And so some things didn't work. Great. Mm-hmm. We're going to try something else. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are a co-creator of a product, you you are invested in it, mm-hmm. right? So we do have ongoing staff trainings, but it's not just me talking at the staff. It's also them asking questions, having ideas. We started a new private Facebook group. It's mm-hmm. called the ECLC Collaboration Station, mm-hmm. where we're sharing our own ideas. And we're also tooting our own, own horns. Mm-hmm. We're saying, look at this amazing thing that I did. And look at the amazing thing that these kids did, how they engaged in this, mm-hmm. and how we extended the conversation. So now we have faculty members that are talking to each other Mm -hmm. and giving each other ideas on how to employ this methodology of the right of every child. I think, you know, it's it's, it's fascinating because I I love what you had said too, which is, you know, it's it's not unilateral in terms of it's not me being able to dictate and say, this is what the model we're using. Uh, I mean, I, I think in some semblance it is in terms of, look, you're the director and it's through your through your guidance, but the collaborative effort of your staff to be able to say, well, you know, you know, Miss Tammy, I, I, I noticed in my class, this is the experience of what's been going on for me. And I'm struggling with how to best put this forward of a collaborative effort together to be able to create something in our institution that works for us. And I think, I think, you know, and, and, and I'm sure you might have something to say about this, but in terms of, you know, what we use with the K-Way method here might not be, might, might not work for somebody across the street or in another state or, and, and, and I think the ability to say that's okay, because I think that there's something really unique about the fact that for our community and for our institution, this works well for us. It may not work well for for, for others, um, but in, in being able to really understand that and to really uh, you know use that as, as, as a model. Right. Um, and, you know, emergent learning and emergent curriculum, when we're really looking at the child and we're going off of a child's interests, and if you're talking about this, – this happened, actually, when we were talking about um, uh, islands – just talking about islands. And then all of a sudden, uh, the teacher asked other children, like, where have you been? What islands have you been to? So then it became like a study of different islands mm. throughout the world. And then they turned into the Bahamas. Mm. And then from that conversation, the Bahamas is an island. So we're going to look at the Bahamas as an island. But then what happened in the Bahamas, the children knew there was a hurricane. And so then they started concentrating on that. Then that went into weather patterns. Mm. That And it also went into helping people. Like, what, how, what can we do after a disaster? Because bad things happen. Mm-hmm. But like Mr. Roger, said what do you do you look for the helpers in those Mm -hmm. situations right how can we be the helpers and this all came just from concentrating on the study of islands interesting Interesting. and then it just and that is an emergent curriculum it is very difficult to do Mm -hmm. if you're not used to it Mm -hmm. um so you're right this this way of thinking might not work for every school I would hope that it would because sure. I really this is the way that we should be teaching children. And I and, and I think too, you know, the, the 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 challenge too is 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 the teacher that may not be as completely comfortable with, you know, those lines of questioning or those ways of a child's development. Uh, you know, I mean, I see it with my own kids. You know, there are times I'm tired or I'm I'm in, in a different headspace than they are, and I might dismiss what they're saying. And 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 you know, sometimes to be able to go back and to be able to say, you know. You mentioned about that big fluffy cloud. What w- what does that look like for you? Or you know, I, I I mentioned this before on the program. You know, I my, my my eldest daughter would would usually question and say, "I don't believe in God." Now I don't know if she's saying that because she actually truly doesn't, 
or if she uh, knows what I do for a living and tries to get <laughs> under my skin, which she does uh, all the early, time. Huh? Nice. Um, you know, and, and, and her response will be, well, prove it. Prove it. Prove, prove God exists to me. And, and of course, look, I, I can't prove God to you, but I can I can I can prove to you that although we cannot see God, we can experience God and we can feel God um, through spirituality or through connection or and, and not to. And I try not to negate my, my, my own children or other children, for that for that matter, of what their vision of God or community exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I would even push you further. Mm-hmm. I would say that it's not your job to prove. Mm-hmm. It's her job to discover. Absolutely. And that's, you know, when, when children will ask those big questions to us as educators, like, you know, what's God? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Because they're going to make their own discoveries. Mm-hmm. And of course, I can completely see your kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, prove and, it. But, it's like, you know, that, that is, you know, daddy can't, or, or, or I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm mm-hmm. not going to prove it. Cause you know what? It's your job to discover. Mm-hmm your beliefs, your feelings. And I think that the, the, the way that you you use that question of, you know, what what do you think? I think it's such an important and, and uh, incredible tool to be able to use. I mean, I use it all the time with my kids, you know, where, where my oldest will say, well, what does God look like? What does God look like for you? Because I think if we go back to that model when we were kids, very young kids, I think it's that understanding of, you know, we see God as an old white man with a long, gropely beard sitting on a cloud. Well, why suddenly has that not been okay and our vision changes of what God is, whether it be a, a spirit, a wind, a feeling, a a, a good deed, an act. Yes. Where suddenly does that change through uh, our adult lens of saying, well, you know, that primitive, you know, elementary understanding of God that just doesn't fit. Right. And a part of me says, you know what, if you want to think God is an old white man on a sitting on a fluffy cumulus cloud, you know what? Good for you. Go for it. Because I think I think I think we can all um, experience and remember back to what being a child of what that vision looked like and being able to say, it's okay. And you know what? I'm in my forties. And you know what? If I feel that that's the way God is, who's gonna tell me any different? Because it is that vision. And and I think that there are times that we want to go back to that to that feeling of being a child and being protected in some way. Right. And you know, and that's representation. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have something to represent a feeling or a concept that, that might be a little bit big to understand. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have that representation. Um, as an educator, I would tell every parent and every other educator, allow the child to form their representation. Give them the tools mm-hmm. to think critically about these big questions that they are going to face the rest of their lives. No, I love it. Love it. So we are, um, unfortunately, we are running out of time, but but I do want to just mention, so, you know, Tammy, if people wanted to learn a little bit more about um, uh, twofold, one, about the preschool and two, about the uh, K-Way method uh, and methodology, how, how would they how would they go about that? I would visit uh, the website. So we've got www.tbhfl.org, which is our temple website. You go down to, um, there's a tab there for Early Childhood mm-hmm. uh, Learning Center. Uh, the K-Way is www.k-way.org. Come. You can also call me. I am happy to chat. I love coffee. So I'm I'm all ears. Wonderful. So again, Tammy, on behalf of a priest and a rabbi, we thank you uh, warmly for joining us today. Thank you. Um, and just to just mention a couple uh, community events that are coming up, uh, just for people's interest. Uh, I hope that uh, for those that are interested to please join us at the temple on Wednesday evening at seven o'clock. Uh, the temple, uh, the Rappaport Center at Temple Beit Hayam is uh, warmly bringing in 
uh, former Ambassador Dennis Ross, who will be here to look at uh, the contentious issue of peace in the Middle East. He'll be looking at the uh, his topic of conversation, which I hope everyone will uh, engage in, is can the United States and Israeli leaders achieve peace in the Middle East? Uh, a very timely um uh, topic. It is one that I know is of great concern for the Jewish people, and I hope for for others out there. So, if you are available, tickets are thirty five dollars. They can be purchased at our temple website called the Temple. Uh, again, it is on Wednesday, January 29th at seven p.m. And uh, we have a ton of events coming up. Um, and Tammy, from your end, yeah, we have a fun run coming up in February, um, and we we have a perm carnival coming up, and a Disney-themed character breakfast. Awesome. So over the next three months, we have three really, really fun events that are open to the community. Awesome. So uh, for more information, uh, check out the Temple website. Uh, just to also mention, at the end of uh, February, we have a wonderful international national program called Shabbat Across America. Uh, it is open to, obviously, the Jewish community. And for others who would love to join us, uh, our, our programs will begin on a Thursday evening uh, all the way through the entire weekend. Uh, that is the end of February 27th, 28th, 29th, uh, and March 1st. So I hope you will join us for that. Uh, and for any any questions, comments, concerns, uh, please, please email us at a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And we thank you for joining us this morning and look forward to further discussion.